Dedicated. Obsessed. Focused. This is the Masters of Fitness Podcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode 19 of the Masters of Fitness Podcast. 19, Thad, man. Remember we started this about a year ago? You ever think we were <laughs> I know it sounds like a big number. In all reality, it's really not. It's really not. But for us, it's big. When you, when you right. Like, but I will say we've been, actually, this has actually been my our busiest during this whole COVID-19 stuff, being able to put these mm-hmm. uh, episodes out once a week and actually be able to get really good guests in. So way to take advantage yeah. of- uh, It's been a lot of fun. Utilizing this downtime to get this message out to the people. But without further ado, man, we got a good show. A very interesting show, an interesting person, yeah. kind of a, a self-proclaimed muscle nerd or muscle maven, as you would say, kind of like an expert of all things. I think I said when I read in her bio, did some arm wrestling, powerlifting, yeah. <laughs> jiu-jitsu, yeah. fitness competition, kind of fitness consultant. Uh, but above all, she is an expert in eating self-proclaimed, what is it, organ meat. Organ meat, yep. Organ meat. Like I, said, I was talking, we was talking earlier, my brother texted me. He was like, man, y'all have somebody coming on show that eat a... Uh, they eat, that ate a brain sandwich. Mm-hmm. I'm like, hold on, man. I don't know if it's brains, but as she corrected, his uh was uh tongue. Yeah, I think it was bison tongue or something bison, like that. Bison tongue, bison tongue. But mm-hmm. you'll be surprised down here in the south. A lot of people eat a lot of that stuff. My mom grew up eating uh eating. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. And people think I'm crazy for eating oxtails and turkey necks. So I mean, <laughs> I, I got to step y'all game up out there and uh out there around the world. So. Without further ado, we'll bring uh, Miss Ashley Van Houten. So I didn't screw that up. I got the name right. Ashley Van mm-hmm. Houten up to the show. And uh, let me see if I can rotate you out of here and rotate in. We want her in the middle, Thad. We'll need the people looking at right. you. And mm-hmm. them attention. Right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, welcome, to the, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us. And uh, thank you for being here today, man. You're a very busy lady, very popular lady on uh instagram so welcome welcome how you doing today good. yeah thank you for having me i wish if i had known i would have set up some kind of like a really fun background so i could have been you know on par with you guys you guys have some cool yeah. stuff going on but no I'm, I'm really happy to be here thanks for having me oh no that's not cool that's that it was the crafty guy who put this uh mm-hmm. in this podcast thing behind it. so you can give he's the handyman of okay. the uh the, of the bunch so good to know that was a very fun introduction that i got to listen to backstage um mm-hmm. sandwich i can't wait to talk about this. <laughs> where did you find this chick anyway yeah no but hey but like you said man that stuff is cool it's cool because like i was telling that we eat a lot of these people think a lot of food we eat is very different and very uh not of the norm and kind of like you made a good point earlier is that food is a good way to reach other cultures to understand different people, how they live, and kind of get outside of your box. It's a way to experience the world. So, because what's abnormal to us overseas, they'd be like, hey, man, we eating this all. That's a delicacy. We eat this all the time. It's new. So Absolutely. If you if you haven't tried oxtail, like, you're really missing out on life. That's craziness to me. Smoked oxtail, uh, oh mother oxtails. I tell people, <laughs> it's on a bone. You can't miss it. So good. That, so, they, call them, they call them butt wipers at work. <laughs> that's that makes it sound way less appetizing yeah, yeah. Hey, it's, it's a group of guys that i work with you know you got to understand but it's all mean, guys i know Man. this is my subject a little bit but oxtails have gotten very expensive you go to the store 
it's like 12 bucks for like five of them. So, well, it's interesting too, especially when you're sourcing kind of weirder uh, cuts of meat, it could go either way. So some of these, these cuts that are actually really, really delicious, um, really nutritious cuts of meat are very cheap because no one wants them. Um, but then on the other side, the same can be said for it's, it's very expensive because no one wants it. So you have to like, kind of go out of your way to source some of these things. So we can kind of get into that later, but it's, it's an interesting journey trying to try different types of protein. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So before we jump too deep into, uh, into that, that's something that's going to be the uh, high point of the show. I'm ready to talk about dive deep into food and all that good stuff. <laughs> tell us, tell everybody about yourself. You're uh, what makes the muscle maven? What makes you a muscle maven? And what makes you a muscle nerd? Just give a backstory. Where you from? What you do? And how you live in Canada? All right. Well, I mean, this this right here makes me muscle maven. <laughs> no, I mean, basically, you know, I'm sort of a little bit of a um, jack of all trades in the fitness and wellness industry. I mean, mostly I consider myself a, a communicator, like I'm a, I'm a podcast host and I'm a consultant for other uh, fitness brands and personalities. Uh, and I've been a writer for about a decade in the fitness world. Um, and I think that sort of my interest in trying new things and experimenting and learning and sharing what I've learned with other people um, has really lent itself well to the the kind of work that I'm doing because I'm not sort of um, a pro at any one thing, but I am pretty knowledgeable in a wide range of areas in terms of fitness and health and nutrition and things like that. So um, I kind of basically just took what I went to school for and what I was naturally good at, which is writing and communicating um, and applied it to the industry that I loved already. And that I'd be doing this stuff for free, learning about fitness and training and exercise and sport and nutrition and all of that stuff and kind of just combined it. So over the last decade or so, it's been sort of a growing process because as anybody who works for themselves knows It takes a lot of work to go from sort of a corporate or a standard kind of you go to an office and you get paid every month to really trying to create your own uh, work. And to do that, you have to be kind of confident. You have to take some risks and you have to just at the end of the day, be reliable and provide good work. So that's really what I've been trying to do and, and trying to grow. And just like you guys, you know, you were saying the the interesting times that we're in right now are providing some also some interesting opportunities so um yeah i've been kind of trying to take advantage of that and and do some interesting new things and it's been it's been good so you said you uh so you made the transition from corporate world into doing this fitness thing full time what were you doing before you got off into uh into this kind of before you let it take off into your career yeah, so I, I went to school for marketing and communications, and then I kind of directly went into, I, I went to school in Canada, and then I moved to Bermuda, which is where my mother's from, and they have a really interesting industry there. It's it's like there's a lot of tourism, but then there's like this big um, expat community because there's this sort of... Um, offshore insurance community there um, there's okay. it's a tax haven so there's a bunch of big insurance like commercial insurance okay. companies there um, I moved there because I wanted to live in a beautiful tropical island for a few years who wouldn't and uh, I got a corporate job there um, that paid really good and it was very corporate and very you know 
<laughs> you know, right? Like yeah. you gotta kind of wear like a suit and you have to shake the hands, fake smiles. 100%. And it was like, I was doing something I was good at in an industry that I cared nothing about. Um, and so, you know, I kind of did that and living there and the guy that I was with, all that ran its course. And so the opportunity, <laughs> uh, the opportunity came up for me to move to the New York office. And that was like in my mid twenties. And I, I did that right away. Cause I thought, again, this is going to be a theme through this, this podcast is like, try it, like just try something yes. new. What's going to hurt. Right. So I moved to New York and that was like a whole different experience, really intense and kind of overwhelming. But during that period, I sort of, I started to realize this was actually right around the, um, the crazy sort of 2008, 2009 recession. Um, yeah, it was intense and it was intense. And I was working like in the financial district. I was right there and kind of experiencing all of it. And I started to notice that the money that I was making and the work that I was doing, it was very easy to stick with it even when there was no passion because it was like safe and there was money and it was fine. And I just remember thinking like, if I don't get out of this now, like I'm not going to, and it's going to suck. So I kind of yeah. took the step to, I quit. I just quit. And, uh, I just kind of quit. I was just like, I don't like to work. notice that I'm out. Do yeah. I mean, and I remember the CEO at the time saying like, are you sure? Like, do you think you're going to make this money again? And I was like, you know what? Maybe not, but like, I'll probably do something I like better. And really, I mean, that's, that was all it took. And I, look, I was in my mid twenties. Like I wasn't really like, if I was in my mid forties, I might've been thinking differently about it, but yeah. I saved up a bunch of money. At this point I was getting into fitness and, and, you know, I was doing CrossFit and CrossFit was like just starting to be the thing. And that was a community that I built in New York. And um, yeah, and I was learning about nutrition. I was doing all this stuff. And I also was realizing that what I like to do, the communication thing that I like to do was write and share things with people. And so I was starting to do that, like writing kind of here and there for like the CrossFit Games website and like this little oh, company and that little company. Yeah. And I just literally, it's just a game of persistence and consistency and building relationships and being reliable and doing good work and just kind of keep going. That's really all it is. Like it's, you know, it took me a decade to get to get to the point now where, you know, I feel like I, I make a decent amount of money. Like I'm not really worried about it. I'm yeah. getting more opportunities. Um, I'm still absolutely like working and trying to get better and trying to do new things all the time. But, you know, it took a, it took a long time of kind of playing around with things to, to get to this point. And, but it was fun. That's the thing. Like, I'm sure as you guys know, when you're doing work that you love and that you feel passionate about, even when it's hard and frustrating and difficult, yeah. you just love it. Cause it's what you want to do. Right. Like the product is more, the end product is more of a, a sad, more of a satisfaction. It's getting greater joy out of that because it's something you put your blood, sweat and tears. Or like I say, your sweat equity into something that you want and something that you like to do. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's kind of like you said, the uh, that corporate America kind of holds that paycheck over our head and all the debt we like to get into. Like, hey, no, the American dream. You have to work <laughs> nine to five, mm -hmm. make money because you have to drive the car, have to have the house. So like you said, people are afraid to yeah. just get out there and do it. And even when you do do it, people say, are you crazy? What are you doing? You're like, no, nah, I'm actually crazy if I stick to doing something that I don't like to do and put myself into a mental state that's not conducive for me. Absolutely. So. It does take a certain kind of personality to, 
to work for yourself or to be an entrepreneur, absolutely, because there is a level of uncertainty and there's a level of, um, you know, not consistency in your schedule or that kind of thing that you really have to be adaptable and kind of be able to manage that sort of stress. I mean, we all kind of have different um, plans and how we want our working life to look. So I know that there are a lot of people that I know that are super, super smart and super successful that would like fall apart trying to do this type of work. Um, and I know that people are struggling really hard with like working from home or working differently in quarantine because they're just they're used to a different kind of environment and schedule mm -hmm. and rigidity and all of that stuff um so you know it's different strokes but um this is you know i can't imagine putting on high heels and like a blazer <laughs> and office again i did it and i just i can't i can't fathom doing that again I can't fit into blazers anyway, so. <laughs> yes, it sucks when you try to go get, even myself, I try to go get a suit and it's like, nah, bro, we ain't got nothing for you at me. Yes, you're not wearing sleeves either. You get it. No. Yeah. But this is summertime. It's hot down here. If you don't know, the humidity down here, with that it normally gets at 8 o'clock at night, it's like 90 degrees, 100% humidity. You sweat the moment you go outside, so. Yeah. Ernest, so, knows, Ernest knows my uniform, my daily uniform. Oh, yeah. That takes that a, it takes that a grand total of five seconds to take his shirt off in any work. Well, you can get you know, where you went in Rome, right? I mean, that's where you went were. in Rome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, <clears throat> I wanted to uh, ask her about about your uh, your podcast. And whenever I first um, uh, found out about you, you were um, podcast. Your show was on the Shrug Collective. And then you moved on from there. Uh, whatever, what made you get into podcasting? So I kind of um, just sort of fell into the opportunity a little bit. And th this is, this goes along with the whole kind of like freelance entrepreneur kind of creating your own opportunities. I didn't seek, seek to be a podcast host, um, but I was sort of in the right place in the right time. And, you know, my bread and butter is kind of talking. So, and it's one of those things too. I mean, you guys might have your own opinions about this, but Jobs like this, where you interview somebody, people tend to feel like maybe anybody can do it because it's like, I'm talking, like who, yeah. who you know. Um, but as we know from our favorite podcast hosts and then the people that we can't stand to listen to, like there is a skill and an art to this oh, kind yeah. of thing. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And so, you know, I think that I, I'm pretty good at this job. And anyway, so the first job, the first podcast that I hosted was um, with Paleo Magazine. So this is a publication, obviously, about sort of paleo nutrition and lifestyle. And that's, that's a area of health and nutrition that I, I know quite a bit about and feel pretty strongly about. And I generally think that that's a, a pretty level headed approach to nutrition for most mm -hmm. people. We can talk about that if you want. Um, but I had been writing for the magazine for a few years and they had a podcast and they were looking for a new host. And, you know, I'd been around for long enough and they sort of asked me if I wanted to do it. I'd never done it before. I knew nothing about it. And I said, of course, I want to do this. Um, and <laughs> I kind of just launched right into it. And I think my first one of my first uh, people that I interviewed was Rob Wolf, who is sort of a big name in um, the paleo and keto world. Yeah. He's a pretty yeah. influential dude in sort of nutrition. And I had known him a little bit, but I was like, I was pretty nervous about it. And, you know, cause I'm like, I'm talking to somebody who's super smart. And of course it was, yeah. it was like audio only, which was really actually tough. I don't know if you guys ever do audio only um, podcasts. No, no, it's hard not to see that person, see their reaction, like how yes. they reacted from your questions and all that. You need that feedback. 
it's so much better when you can look at somebody and just, yeah, see their sort of reactions. And, and like, it just feels a little bit more like you're talking in person, right? But um, anyway, so yeah, so I hosted the Paleo Magazine radio um, up until very recently, actually, and really enjoyed it. I got to interview just some of the coolest, brightest, smartest people. And every time I interviewed somebody, I learned something like it was literally what I would have done for free. And I got to do this and, and hopefully sort of help other people. And it was, it's just like the coolest job in the world. Um, and I kind of just, I, I guess, I don't even know how I met the Shrugged guys. I think it's just like small circle, right? Of like the same kind of meathead, whatever. We just like to talk. Yeah. <laughs> um, and they were looking at the time, um, they were looking to kind of expand and create this collective of, of people that were offering sort of different mm. um, shows and stuff like that. So it was a limited series. Um, I did 30 episodes and I, again, got to interview just some of the most amazing athletes and like cool women doing really interesting things in the fitness world. And it was so much fun. That was the limited thing. Um, and actually, it's kind of, I don't want to confuse people, but I'm actually literally relaunching Muscle Maven Radio. I don't know when this is coming out, but next week. So like the, the 12th. <laughs> All right, so my right. own brand. Yeah, so my own banner. Here. I wrote so, it. I wrote it. I actually went to your, uh, I subscribed to the podcast on, uh, is it the one that's currently on Apple Podcasts right now? Muscle Maven Magazine, Muscle Maven Radio, I mean. Yeah, I mean, I don't even know if it's up yet. You might be really on top of it. <laughs> no, it, 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 hold on, it, was, it is. I, yeah. I think it, I I think it showed uh, one episode or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it showed one episode from March 31st. Okay, yeah, that's what? Okay, well, anyway, that might, that's probably it. Um, <laughs> listen to this, it, like the first, like the relaunch will be up, but um, essentially, I, I, had been doing, I'd been helping other people with their podcasts for a long time. And, you know, I worked with Ben on his muscle intelligence podcast, amazing mm -hmm. opportunity, super fun. I get to do a lot of stuff over there, but, um, I just kind of wanted to, to sort of relaunch my own show it because ultimately you guys know, it gives you more autonomy. You get to interview the people you really want to talk to. You get to really control, um, what you want to do and how you want to do it. And so, um, yeah, I'm really excited. I've got like a lineup of super awesome people already and every time like i said i just i do it for free because every time i talk to somebody i'm making a new relationship i've made great friendships doing this um and you never know what kind of business opportunities come out of meeting different people mm -hmm. and doing all these different things so um so yeah the podcast is a big part of what i do and, and like i said helping other people um i i do like kind of consulting on the side and help other people who are either looking to launch a podcast build a podcast they're trying to build their fitness brands that's um something that I do also uh, behind the scenes. Yeah, so your podcast, so that's that's uh, interesting. Like you say, podcasting is, is fun. Like you say, of course, me at that we right now we're doing it for free. People say, man, you making money from us. I say, man, it's, I'll do it because I love fitness. And this just gives me anything of a venue to just talk about fitness. Like you say, talk to different people, interact with different people, build those networks and just continue to grow. Like you said, grow your brand and uh, all that. So speaking of your podcast, is it going to follow the same mode of what it was when you was with the Shrug Collective? Just kind of that whole, just different types of fitness things, just talking. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I didn't want to keep it too sort of strict on one topic. Like I spent mm -hmm. so many years on Paleo Magazine Radio, which again, was a show that I was very proud of. And I talked to a lot of really interesting people from nutritionists to doctors and scientists and athletes and all kinds of people. But I felt like the name paleo kind of hemmed me in a little bit because, you know, people like to sort of jump on the latest fad and then jump away from it. And anything yeah. that has kind of a catchy name, people assume like, oh, this is just like this weird trend. That's like what you yeah. eat like a caveman. I'm not into that. Right. 
where really I think that again, that this approach, what paleo ultimately means is eating whole foods, eating unprocessed whole foods that come from nature, right? And nothing seems more common sense to me than that. But I understand that when people hear like a title or whatever, you know, people get turned off. And so I felt like I wasn't really able to grow as much with that brand um, because people would just maybe be turned off by the name. So what I'm trying to do now is at least at this point, is really just, yeah, talk to people who have something interesting to say, like people who are doing things that are unique and that are impressive. Like I have in my lineup um, right now for the next month, I've got a, a chef and she's a chef and a hunter and a harvester and a spear fisher woman. Wow. And she's a total woman, yeah, who can do everything. And she's not scared of eating game meat and weird cuts like I am. So I figure we'll have a lot to talk about. Mm. Um, I have a Hollywood stunt woman coming on. Um, she's incredible. She's anyway, she, I think she was in that recent video that just went around, you know, with all the women doing all the crazy stunts. Did you see this? I saw one. I think I, I saw, but this one had guys on. Was she in the one with just okay. female? I, I think it was. Yeah. The, okay. the just lady one, the one that um, I think that was the first one with just the women. But anyway, um, and it's not going to be just women. Like this is totally open to, to everybody. But as as a woman, I'm going to focus more on that than probably a lot of like dude podcasts. Maybe not. No offense. Not saying if you, you know, I don't have anybody who has guests. It's like me and my wife talk about that. No, honestly, it's enough dude stuff, you know, guy centric stuff out there where women need more of that. That, you know, that avenue where they could talk, discuss different things, discuss different careers and kind of like just women empowerment. And I think about my daughter when I think about stuff like that, like having her tune in to stuff about that, like to hear women stunt, you know, stunt women, women who are chefs, women are doing these different things in society beyond just what they beyond what society tells you that you could only do. So it's pretty cool. It's so. so good. And I think the other really important thing, like it's great to have this like very open women's empowerment message, but I think an almost as important part of it is just to have inclusion without it being a big statement. So like one of the exactly. things I recommend men for, for bringing me on as a, as a guest like he, or as a co-host for his, the Muscle Intelligence podcast, I mean, he could have had anybody and he could have had any number of like female fitness pros or whatever, but he recognized like, I want somebody who's actually good at this job, not just mm -hmm. like, looks good on Instagram. And there's enough dudes, like let's get somebody with a, with a different perspective. And okay. so many like, and I'm guilty of it, right? Like my top five fitness podcasts that I listen to are hosted by men and most <laughs> of their guests are men. And I can parse through it enough to get information that works for me, but it's not, yeah. and it's not like men are consciously saying women aren't part of this and we don't care. It's, it's just, just it's, think about your situation, right? And yeah. so, and all this, all the studies and all the research and all the nutrition information. And like, I'm reading these articles about how to go keto or how to gain muscle. And it's like, you know, you need to eat 250 grams. Of, it's like, you're, you're talking about dudes. You're always using the male as the, the baseline. Right. And so even just having more conversations like this, where there's, no, that's real. And, yeah. there's men and we can kind of talk about all sides of it. So then women are listening and thinking like, okay, at least I'm part of the conversation now. And maybe there will be different questions asked and I'll be sort of heard and something that you guys are saying is going to apply to me. And, you know, so I think that stuff's really important. Man, that's really good. And when are you, and when, I'll, so you said it's launching next week, you said? Yeah, so I don't know. Well, this is live, right? Yeah, this yeah. is, so, this is live. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah the, plan, the plan is to have just the first episode kind of explaining what's going on. Um, okay. Because I already have, like, what, I, I, try, I really don't want to make this super confusing, but essentially, I purchased 
Paleo Magazine Radio, which is the, the podcast I was talking about. And, oh, I cool. and the reason why I did that is because that podcast was ending and I wanted to keep the community that I already built. So I already mm -hmm. have That's however cool. many yeah. downloads and subscribers. I didn't want to start from scratch. So I'm taking this community that I already had, I'm rebranding it. I'm hoping to, to gain a bunch more, you know, grow the community a lot um but so that's what's happening so next week i'm kind of relaunching to all of the subscribers and saying hey new look like new thing and then uh just kind of run from there and, and see how it goes so that's, that's what you were uh that's what you were well you didn't you didn't explain it to me the other day but you said some funny business was going on with paleo yeah, that's, that's kind of the funny business. I mean, <laughs> for anybody who's listening and, you know, a lot of your listeners may not care about this. So we don't have to spend too much time on it, but basically the, you know, the magazine, it was a, a very niche publication. And I think they mm. did a, a fantastic job of putting great recipes and health information and research and all that stuff out there. And they've recently moved from being a print publication to a digital one. And as such, they're kind of like tightening their reins and, and streamlining things and, and getting rid of things. Yeah. And uh, one of the things that they they didn't want to kind of deal with anymore was the podcast. And I was like, all right, well, I want to deal with it. So I'll just take it and and I'm taking it and doing my own thing with it. So I'm very excited about it. Cool, 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 cool. So that's so that's interesting. I never heard that's a, a good perspective, a good power move. Like you acquired hey. a podcast. Like, <laughs> hey, Money move. Working, yeah. uh, <laughs> my wife asks, what is your uh, IG handle? Instagram is the Muscle Maven. So Muscle Maven. Muscle Maven Radio. You know, it's it's all. I mean, there's not a whole lot of Muscle Mavens out there. So I no, figure. no, no. It's you. So that's that's a good that's a good power move. Say, hey, why why create something and just keep what I have and just transfer it over to? Uh, yep, I worked very hard on it. And you, know, you guys know it's you know the online world is very fickle and it's very hard to gain and keep people's attention. And sometimes yeah. people have to resort to. Um, you know, shallow stuff and trickery and, and all kinds of things. I worked very hard to to do a good job of this podcast and put out good information. And I got a great, like a fantastic community of people who really participated and engaged in it. And I didn't want to let them go. So instead of just, you know, seeing what they did and letting them kind of run it into the ground, I decided that I was just going to take it and do something better with it. So cool. Cool. So with that being, how do you, so you're a consultant, you help people grow their home brands and everything like that. So how do you, how does one carve a niche into the fitness world without, for lack of better terms, selling themselves out to just posting shirtless videos and stuff like that? I mean, I'm just being, I'm just being real to kind of, cause it's hard to decipher between like what's really fitness, who's out there to give like the real fitness information that's prepared to who just out there just to show themselves on Instagram. Yeah. I mean, this conversation is like, this could go on forever with no answer really, because mm. it's, it's very complicated and layered and everybody has their own opinions. I mean, I think that, um, there's a place for, you know, just people showing their butts and stuff. Cause there's obviously that's very, very popular. And that's, yeah. what, that's what a lot of people go online to see. And I also think that it, it's hard because, you don't want to, I don't want to create like really any shame around people wanting to no, show no, up. Yeah. Um, I think that that's a weird move and you don't kind of want to, you know, if you're, if you're, especially in the fitness industry, like it's very aesthetic and it's very visual and it's very mm -hmm. about what you look like. And I think that there's a place for that. And if you're proud of what you look like and you're proud of the work that you did, you should be able to show it off. But it's, it's unfortunate, especially for women online, because, um, 
there, it's you're constantly there's this constant push and pull that like you know that if you show a little bit more skin if you act a little bit more sexy you're gonna get more attention you just are yeah. um and so it's really tough to try to especially when you don't think there's anything really inherently wrong with it like i, I don't mind showing a little no, bit of nothing wrong but it's like but it's just finding the like when you really want to get the real information on fitness that's what per to just you know watching somebody work out i want to know like real yeah information, get a deep dive into my dieting, into my nutrition and supplementation. The problem is that when you do start to kind of just do these little like one-off kind of cutesy attention grabs, that's what people start to come to you for and they don't want the other stuff, which yeah. is the tricky part. So it's like you almost have to be sneaky and like hide your information in, in some that. little okay. package that people are going to want. And I mean, you know, I, I struggle with it too. Like, you know, I, I know that I could be growing my audience faster <laughs> if I decided to do things a little bit differently. And I just, I just, I prefer to have a, a smaller audience of like actual real human beings that, that value what I say and that want to have a conversation with me instead of just looking at how cute my butt is or whatever. And mm -hmm. I love things that I learned from the bodybuilding, um, my sort of bodybuilding experiences and, and doing competitive bodybuilding and really enjoying that process was learning i think this is something a lot of fitness people learn that everybody says this but it's like you almost have to go through it yourself to experience it that being in really good shape like being really having a really impressive physique is only impressive to people for about two seconds and then they forget and they move on because no one really cares as much as you do yeah. um, and if you are unhappy having a six-pack is not gonna fix it it really <laughs> you're just unhappy with a six-pack it's not it's the same thing and you like, woke up with the same problems but i got a six-pack <laughs> exactly except i'm hungry now on top yeah. of it <laughs> i think i was lucky because i got into bodybuilding older so i mm. was very fortunate that i had you know a good upbringing and a great strong mother and i you know i went to school and i got a master's degree and so i felt like i had something to to offer other than just what i look like it's still great to look good. And I still had a really fun experience, like getting a six pack and showing it off in a bikini. It was super fun. Um, but I knew that that was just like a fleeting experiment. It wasn't like trying to prove anything to anybody and it wasn't trying to become somebody different. Um, and I think that, so going back to sort of the social media thing, it's like, if, if that is all you have to offer, it can work for a little while, but it's not going to make you feel great in the long run. So I guess ultimately one of the things that, that you guys were asking is how to kind of carve that niche online. Yeah, how, to, how to find your way through that. So where you can actually get yourself seen. I mean, I really think that one of the things is just getting really, really clear on what your message or your passion or your job is and start to articulate that consistently and clearly. And I had a hard time with this too, again, because like I said, I'm a bit of a generalist. So a lot mm -hmm. of people online are like, I'm the keto guy. I'm going to make you keto and make you super healthy and feel good. And then some people are like, I'm the hypertrophy person and I'm going to get you jacked in two seconds and whatever. I was kind of just like, I like to do a lot of stuff. I'll write like everything. Yeah. yeah. And so one of my jobs over the last like couple of years has been starting to get a little bit more clear on the things that I'm good at. Um, and one of those things, or one of the things that I'm passionate about is this nutrition side of things and nose to tail and like, 
really nutrient dense, healthy food and just getting people kind of more comfortable with it. Um, and then there's sort of like the women's strength side of things, which I'm very passionate about. I'm also developing, it was kind of put on hold during quarantine, but I'm developing a uh, pull-up program, like a pull-up progression mm -hmm. program to get women to get pull-ups. Um, because I think, and this actually, this program isn't just for women. It's just, I'm sort of marketing it specifically because that's a, a movement that we have a harder time with. Obviously mm -hmm. we have a lot no. of us. Yeah, my right wife, she uh, she's a tall lady. She's uh, about six feet tall, and she like pull ups is hard for her to do, and she's very strong. Long like, arms, long, though, right? long, and that's and you know long arms is just hard for her to grasp the pull up. So yeah, I mean, I you know, so getting having a pull up is an incredibly functional movement to have for anybody. It's just a super intelligent um, and useful skill to have um and i learned very quickly i mean i grew up watching like gi jane and like you know american gladiators so like i kind of always was like into muscle and strong women but i learned really quickly that that was something that you know in a lot of the world it's like a myth it's like women can't do pull we just don't we aren't built that way we can't do it like you look at firefighter um uh their like their their strength qualifications and like military um training and stuff like women don't have to do or at least until recently, they didn't have to do like the same pull-up um, work that the men did because it's just like really? you can't. Like you just yeah. kind of hang there. You try to get one yeah. pull-up while the men are getting six, and it's like we if we go to war or if we go to a fire, we're not going to the women's fire. Like we have to be able to do this. Can't is stupid. And like and then so when I got into CrossFit in my mid twenties and I'm seeing women like you know clean and jerking more than any dude I've ever seen and doing weighted pull-ups and all of this stuff and then when i i started doing that stuff myself and muscle ups and weighted everything and you know i was like this is incredibly empowering and yeah and anyway so i feel very strongly about it and so that's a, a program that i'm putting together that i was again kind of put on hiatus because we're not allowed to go to gyms or do anything but mm. i'm hoping to launch it this summer um because i think that that's just such a, a valuable empowering thing for <clears throat> you know some of the uh some of the biggest uh, you know, I've coached CrossFit for almost eight years, and some of the biggest celebrations I've ever seen in a gym was a lady getting her first pull up. So awesome. It's so <laughs> awesome. It's a lot of work. Like, we and we aren't taught growing up. That's the other thing. Like, first of all, you guys are born with a lot more upper body strength. That's just yeah. the way we build. Oh, yeah. But we also, women aren't encouraged to build upper body strength because we don't have it and it's hard and who wants that? And you don't want to get bulky, you know, whatever. And so even now, again, no judgments, it's it's the trend, but like women are just squatting. Women are just squatting all day long. If you go down any anywhere down, and it's just guys and women too, it's just all squats. It's all legs, it's all. That's in right now, but you know what? I'm, delts are coming back, baby. Delts are coming back. <laughs> I'll be there. But yeah, I mean, again, it's just about, it's about for me, like I, I love to have muscle and I love to look good and I think everyone should, but I think that having, having functional strength is really good. And especially yeah. for women because we tend to, you know, we just tend to have low self-esteem or feel bad about ourselves and think that we're not good enough. And, and one of the things that I think builds confidence in men and women is just competence. When you're good at something, you feel good about yourself. And that's yeah. why like the, the looking good can only get you so far because the second someone tells you you don't look good or stops looking at you. you chasing the yeah. thing yeah. that you can obtain. But if you're smart or if you you know you're good at something and you can help people or you know you're really strong or you're really good at this this exercise or the sport, people can't take that away from you, right? No. Oh, man, that's, that's a little bit real. So yeah, so you can, like you kind of say, just find 
like you said, like, and like going back, backtracking a little bit, it's not to knock what people do and how they how they choose to grow their fitness. You know, their fitness brand, whatever you choose to do, like aesthetics is a part of it. But then again, it can't be the only thing that's there at time too. Because like I said, it's hard to find uh, that real information sometimes that you may need and to actually get you, especially for women. Mm. It's like you said, a lot of times we have to take it, like I find information that's built towards me but then I have to scale it and kind of reclassify it to help my wife or to help a friend to share that information with them and kind of adjust it more for them. So this it's going to be a very good show. I'm looking forward to it being launched next week, right? Yes, thank you. Definitely yeah. listen um, and subscribe and download. Um, yeah, <laughs> the biggest issue these days is, is too much information. People become yeah. paralyzed you know. by how much information there is out there. Well, should I be keto? Should I fast? Should I, you know, do CrossFit? Should I do this? Should I do, you know, there's there's too much. And like the 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 thing that makes it more difficult is that any one of those things could be the right answer for any one oh, person. Yeah. Yes. But mm-hmm. there isn't one answer for everybody, right? So you have to be able to do the work the long and painstaking process of figuring out what works for you. And I think one of the things that I really try to to push like with the podcast and some of the like individual coaching that I do um, that I I don't do too much of, but every now and then is to really kind of reframe um, that process of like finding your optimal health and the best diet and the best Mm -hmm. workout and all that stuff. Instead of like, I need to get to the end of it. It's like reframing and making that journey sort of the fun part because Mm -hmm. This whole time when you're learning and you're trying things that work and don't work, you're having fun. You're learning about yourself. You're it's you know you're having new experiences. I've tried a lot of things that didn't work out for me. Keto being one of them. I don't know why I keep talking about keto. Like I'm trying to throw it. <laughs> it's just such a big. It's such a big part of the like sort of nutrition conversation yeah. right now, and and it's great and it works for a lot of people. And it really didn't work for me. And I have tons of great keto friends, but I'm just like I don't like it. It didn't work for me, and that's okay. But I gave it a shot, right? And then yeah. you. Learn yeah, that doesn't. That stuff won't work for me either. I'll I'll fall flat on my face. Yeah, uh, I just eat too much. It's way too easy for me to eat like five thousand calories of fat. I just yeah. I, when you like to eat keto isn't isn't the great. <laughs> and that's a really good point you make. Like we get into these fads, and then people realize it doesn't work for them. But then they just stop and just go back to what they're doing before instead of just trying new things. Like. I think I called myself a part-time vegan for all last year. Yeah, <laughs> we got to chat about this. Yeah. Got to vegan and the organ meat lady. But trust me, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a meat eater. I only did, I did it to just try it out, to see how it was, to see if I could challenge my body and my mind to have different sources of protein besides just eating beef and steaks and all that all the time. But like you said, you have to try those different things to see if they're for you or if they're not for you. You can't try because somebody else told you to do it. Yeah. Did you, when you did the, the vegan experiment, was there, was it just in the spirit of trying something new or were you like kind of feeling like you were having some issues with meat or were you like, did you watch a documentary and decide you wanted to do it? Like what, what changed your mind? It's kind of like when you get into the, getting into the whole fitness world and everything, I always believe that if I'm going to talk about something, I want to know what I'm talking about, how I'm doing it, how it affects your body. So I started it maybe in, maybe like in May or whatever, and I rolled it out into maybe until November or December because I wanted to see how my blood work would change, how it would affect my body, how does it make me feel. And uh, but it was actually it was pretty it actually was pretty good. It was tough because living down here in Southeast Texas and especially in Beaumont, that type of uh, plant-based dieting is not the area is not conducive 
Yeah, that's what I was about to say. Yeah, it's just not conducive. When you can find like everybody hunts deer, hunts all that, but just finding that natural food source is very tough out here. So it was a challenge. It was more like a more or less a mental thing just to see if I could do it and just to try it out. I have no, trust me, I have no issues with eating, uh, with eating meat and protein. So. How, how did your blood work go though? Like, did you, did physically, did you, you did okay and you felt. Oh yes. Fine? Yeah. I think my, uh, actually my Dr. Wilkes was on here. He could probably speak to it a little bit better, but oh yeah, <laughs> cholesterol went down, uh, uh, a lot. Cholesterol went very good. Good cholesterol went up. Metabolism was, uh, pretty fast. So everything was, it came out really good. So no, no, I would say no significant changes from where it was before because generally I've always done uh, intermittent fasting. We've okay. been doing that in my house for about four years. So it wasn't a huge difference in my, uh, in my blood work. So how long did you do it? For a year. For about a year. Wow. Yeah, but, but the reason I said is the reason I said part-time vegan because I only did it three yeah. days a week, so I didn't do it. <laughs> okay, that's <laughs> what it means. So you were like cycling. Cycling, know. yes, yes. Okay, that's yeah. interesting. So I did it. I did it every other day. I would eat full vegan and plant-based. So that's very interesting. I mean, ultimately, what is happening there is that you were just sort of minimizing animal protein. You weren't yes. really eating a vegan diet you were just oh, kind no, of just minimize because i wanted to try different sources of see how plant-based proteins were able to uh what able to affect me what i'll be able to grow it's in the same time i was training for a marathon which in that within that uh same sense as well too so interesting yeah. uh, so I, I did it for actually gained 10 pounds that's what that was, <laughs> 10 pounds from in from doing it so that could be a whole other podcast that we could talk about i mean i'm sure you have but I, that it's fascinating to me that whole experiment is yeah. A lot. A lot there. I got I got influenced by uh by the documentary everybody watched. <laughs> so I was like, man, I'm gonna try it out. And I did, you know, we did it around here for oh, man, probably at least three months. But the whole time I was doing it, I was just worried to death that I was not getting enough protein to support my lifestyle. You know, I never felt comfortable with it. And like Ernest was saying, in the area that we live in, it's real, real hard to go to the grocery store and find enough products to, you know, to, to have to be able to vary your, your meals and stuff like that. You know, it's it's wow. not good. I mean, I think that, like I almost I kind of don't want to talk about Game Changers because it's been so talked about. But I think that like the yeah. biggest problem with that documentary to me is that um, not that they said, you know, that people can eat a vegan diet and be healthy, because that's certainly true. It's the idea of that being the correct diet for human beings, which is categorically false. Yes. Um, and I think that that's another thing that we need to really adjust our thinking about the idea that humans are not supposed to eat animals and that eating animals is inherently wrong. I think that those are very, very flawed. Um, very flawed. Arguments. And I think, again, if you want to make that decision for yourself because you don't want to eat animals and maybe you, you decide to sacrifice your own health to eat a vegan diet and you knowingly do that, also great. But to, to just ignore physiology um, is kind of silly. And I think that another thing that, that is problematic for me is the idea that we are in such a privileged place in the world and in time that we can make these decisions, right? Like nowhere else yeah. in the world and in history could we decide to be a vegan if we wanted to, right? Like yeah. you eat what's there and you eat what's available and you nourish your body to survive. Um, and there have been in really interesting like uh, um, documentaries and things about like anthropologists and people who've gone to visit like tribes and stuff that were 
vegan and they go and live with these sort of like nomadic or, or like nearly uncontacted tribes and they start eating what they're eating and they're like, oh, holy shit. Like I, I'm like this, I live in California so I can eat tofu all the time, but like human beings eat what they need to eat yeah. is usually whatever's available, but it's, it's most often animal protein. And I think that we're just so removed from the reality of nature and the cycle of life and the, the food chain. Um, and I think that for people who want to eat meat or who do eat meat, but they want to turn a blind eye to what has to happen for them to eat meat, I think starts to become irresponsible and naive. You know, like I'm not saying everybody needs to go out and be a hunter and that you need to like yeah. being slaughtered, but I, I think that where your food comes from. I think that we should, because the thing is, if we were more educated about that, and if we cared about that stuff more, we would learn more, and we would we would um, we would work harder to purchase from sustainable agricultural like farms and from people yeah. who who raise and slaughter animals in a humane way, because it is way, not just do like a slaughter line. But for people who want to pretend like I don't want to look at it and it's gross and I don't want to think about it and I just, you know, I don't want the meat on the bone and I don't want any of that stuff. Like you're you're turning such a blind eye to it that you're ignoring the bad practices, you're you're not supporting the good, you're just pretending it, you're sweeping it under the rug. And I think that we just we're we're so far away from human nature, which is to eat things to survive, like every other animal does, right? Yeah. So um anyway, somehow I mean we, somehow we feel like we're above that. It's the same yeah. thing, like we hunt. If we didn't have these fancy stores and all these things go pick our food up, we would have to hunt or gather to get our foods. I mean, that's the reason societies or different cultures expanded was to hunt, finding food sources, finding resources. Mm -hmm. So, and and uh, one one woman that's really really intelligent online, you guys might want to check out her name's Diana Rogers, and she has a Instagram called the Sustainable Dish, and she has a movie, a documentary coming out called The Sacred Cow, and she's a nutritionist and a, um, a regenerative farmer. And one of the things she says that really stuck with me always was that the the harsh reality we don't have to like it, but something has to die for you to live and eat. And that's the same for any animal. So if you only eat lettuce, there are animals dying for your lettuce. So yeah. to, to just have a little bit less judgment and instead for us all to kind of come together over the fact that none of us want to see animals tortured. None of us want to see animals be unhealthy. None of us want to see our planet destroyed, destroyed. right? Yes. But we are omnivores and we do thrive on animal protein as well as plant protein and plant you know, products. So how can we make these sustainable and how can we make them less harmful and how can we do this in a better way is a better approach than trying to pretend that we can't eat animal protein. I, I was listening to, a, uh, this maybe like a couple of months ago, somebody sent me a link to a, a interview and this guy said the most asinine thing that goes against, because I have my degree in biology too, so I study all this science. If it goes against everything that you're taught about physiology and all life, when he said there's there's no such thing as protein. I was like, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> what, did, what did he, what did he, did you say like, please expand? Like, what did he say? <laughs> it, was, it, was, I was just, it was something I was listening to. The guy said, man, you got to watch this, man. This guy says, is no such thing as protein. Everything comes from plants. It's the body doesn't make protein and all. I say, man, do you understand like how the body works? How is made? <laughs> basic um, biology? Interesting. Yeah, it's like, but I'm just saying. But and but people grab that information and run with it and be like, oh, well, I'm about to just eat all vegan right now, and that's all I'm going to do, and blindly going into it, not knowing like, hey, we are made. The reason our teeth are the way they are is because to tear meat, to grind meat, to grind vegetables and things like that. So we are our digestive systems. I mean, everything, everything's yes. for both. Yeah. 
Yeah. You look down there in the right hand corner, Ernest. Look at our resident doctor. <laughs> I don't like vegan. Keto is life. <laughs> yep. See, people can thrive on keto. It's great. Just not for me. Putting macadamia nuts. That's the problem. We actually had a guy, one of the uh, a guy and fellow podcaster named uh Tyler Chartman. He does Tyler Knows Everything podcast. He did a carnivore yeah. diet where he just ate just meat. How long did he do that diet for? For uh, know, like a couple of months. I can't remember. I think it's like a month or something like that. It was a month or so, enough to cycle through and get his blood work checked. And surprisingly, he was perfectly healthy and perfectly fine. Yeah. He eat meat. Yeah. So the carnivore diet is actually one I find quite interesting. I've interviewed sort of all the, the you know, Sean Bakers and Paul Saladinos of the world. And I've done some experimenting on that um, myself because I, I know intuitively that that's something that my body can handle because I've always kind of gravitated towards a high protein. Um, and I have found personally, so again, I don't think that most of the world should only eat meat all the time. I think that it can work as a great tool um, for a reset for people um, instead of maybe fasting, instead of doing like a keto reset. I think that a carnivore approach can actually be a lot more sustainable and a lot easier for people for a number mm -hmm. of reasons. Um, one, I find that keto oftentimes, and again, I think I'm speaking for women too, because we tend to be smaller um, and we tend to be like used to trying to eat like the same size plate as our husbands, even when we shouldn't. And so when we want to do keto, especially to lose fat, you end up eating a lot less food. And for some women, that's fine. For some, it's very difficult. Um, but with keto, you really have to pay so much attention to what you're doing. You got to watch the macros all the time. And even if you eat too much avocado, your carbs are going up and then you're all mm. out of whack. Whereas with the carnivore approach, it's so simple. I mean, you eat animal protein and you eat it until you don't want to eat it anymore. And that's it. And I've also found for somebody who, like I'm a big eater and I have a history of like sort of, you know, like everybody, emotional eating, eating when you're bored, all of this stuff. And I find that protein and animal protein specifically has like the highest satiety factor and the very strongest kind of um, response, like telling you, you don't want to eat anymore. Like yeah. I overeat fat, even if I'm uncomfortable and all of us will overeat carbs, even if we're uncomfortable, but if you you're eat like a million chips and never get full. <laughs> if you're eating like a plate of literally steak or ground beef or chicken thighs, like you're not going to overeat by a thousand calories. Like your body's going to be no. like, I'm good. You know, um, yeah. so I found like I'll do if I go on vacation and I go off the rails or if I'm just <laughs> I find myself kind of inching up and eating too many calories or whatever. Oftentimes I'll do like a three to five day um, carnivore reset. And it mm -hmm. usually just kind of sort it like resets the hunger signals. Um, mm. But it keeps you like, again, if you're worried about maintaining muscle and energy and all of that stuff, the, you know, that high protein is going to be good. Um, and also one of the things that I recommend for anybody who's looking, who's interested in this carnivore thing, um, one of the things that I find is uh, a bit of a flaw when you look at kind of like the big, the big names, not to kind of, you know, throw anybody under the bus. There's a lot of smart people talking about it, but yeah. they, a lot of people tend to kind of make it a little bit um, boring and strict. So they're just like eating steak. And, you know, your, your tongue's going to get tired of that. You're going to get bored of it, maybe. Um, no, it's, of it. it's just and like a textural thing. Like you don't ever have yeah. any different textures and stuff. It's not really sustainable. So I would recommend if people want to try this um, to really just keep it as varied as possible. Like anything that's an animal product is technically carnivore. So you can have red meat, you can have game meat, you can have any kind of like fowl, you can have shellfish and seafood and eggs and cheese, mm -hmm. and you can tolerate it. Um, bone broth, all kinds of stuff, but and you can cook these things all different ways. And so try to like make it interesting because if you're gonna spend a week, a month or whatever eating carnivore, nobody says it has to be just 
steak all day, right? Or ground beef. Hey, that's that sounds like a uh, that sounds like a diet I can enjoy. Yep. <laughs> like right I don't before, like my wife made some uh some ground turkey for tacos, and I just filled up a bowl of it and ate before it. But like you're right, you get full, and then you're done. Like you can't get no more, and then when you're hungry, you need to go get some more. What's less potato chips or popcorn or just different snacks? You can just eat that stuff all day. Yep. I think yep. we have a good a question here. Say, what would you recommend for someone with muscle atrophy disorder? Okay, so this is Michelle down here. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I'd probably, I mean, have to know quite a bit more about that um, mm -hmm. in terms of like, was it the result of um, chronic disease or an injury um, and, you know, what your current health is like and, and how you're kind of working out and how you're eating. There's a lot sort of, is she, no, um, you know, but I mean, again, I think for women, one of the things that I've spoken about just in general, because I believe it's the woman that asked the question, I think that the biggest um things that women maybe aren't doing, aren't optimizing when they're trying to build muscle. Two biggest things is eating enough protein and lifting heavy enough. So a lot of women, we're always trying to, we want to get fit and we want to have these visible muscles, but we're always also trying to stay small and stay lean. And you don't necessarily have to crazy overeat or get add a bunch of body fat to build muscle, but you also can't be severely restricting your calories. You can't eat hundred calorie packs of snacks and like one hard boiled egg. <laughs> I think you're going to build this muscle physique yeah. and get the muscle out. You know, like so. if you're, it's a lot of work to build muscle from nothing on your body, right? Like it's a lot of work. So you need to eat protein. You need to eat enough and you need to lift way heavier weights. Like you need to go in there and like work hard. You can't just kind of close your way through a workout and think you're going to build muscle out of nowhere. It's, it takes a lot of work. And I'm glad, and so, I'm glad. uh, I'm glad Look, that you said that about the uh, about the eating enough protein and not restricting mm -hmm. it. How many people think the answer is to just eat 2,000 calories and I'm going to get the body that I want when actually you want to give that muscle to change your body composition to get yeah. the look that you're going for? I yeah. think I think another thing with again with women that is the sort of the biggest issue too is that because again we're always trying to be small and we always are trying to be toned. So they don't want to think about big muscles. They want to think about small and lean and kind of shapely. Um, and so a lot of people end up losing a lot of fat. And so they're smaller, but they don't still don't like the way they look because they haven't built the muscle up. Under muscle it. So yes. What makes women look shapely and fit and strong is having a decent amount of muscle underneath the healthy amount of fat that you should have. So if you just got skinny, you might not end up liking how that turns out. So you, you still want to keep to that kind of strong, significant consistent protein and then just working real hard in the gym because like everybody i mean i'm sure you guys have all heard this before but no woman is going to look like the hulk accidentally nobody no. just woke oh, up yeah. one day and was giant so you know men men yeah. don't even do it right so especially no, no, they aren't going to yeah so back to uh, michelle's question um this is her son that okay. she's speaking of and uh, it's a genetic disorder that he has. So he, he really can't work out or anything because his muscle won't repair itself. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's definitely beyond the scope of what I could talk about. <laughs> but somebody that I could recommend you maybe check out and even ask this question to is a friend of mine. Her name is Dr. Gabrielle Lyon, and she's a physician. She has a, a strong presence on social media, and maybe we can put it like in the comments or the show notes, you guys can go check her out. Yeah, we'll definitely put that in this. We'll answer, we'll come back to you, Michelle, and we'll put that in a reply with all the information in that question for you. 
Yes. And, and Michelle, she, Gabrielle Lyon, she's a muscle centric um, physician and she is an expert on protein and protein synthesis and muscle as like the organ of longevity and health. And so she may be able to, and she's actually a doctor, not just somebody who like tries to say smart things online sometimes. So she would probably be able to, <laughs> to point you in the right direction. I would, I would think. It's a very good question, Michelle. Very good. Yeah. So since we're talking about protein, let's get off into the fun stuff now. The uh, <laughs> different types of uh, different types of food. So I was, I'm, gonna, I'm just gonna throw this out there. You probably ate way more weird. So the weirdest thing I had so far, my buddy actually brought some meat to work, some food to work. Didn't know what it was. He said, "Hey, Ernest, try this," and it was actually mountain lion. And he said, "Not too many people in this world has ever eaten mountain lions." So Is that legal? Huh? Is it legal? No, it's legal. It's legal. It's legal to eat it. I never heard of that, Ernest. He actually brought some mountain lion to work. And like, this this is a real good friend of mine. He has like rattlesnake, alligator. He has all kind of weird. So a lot of weird things I eat, I get from this, this, uh, get from my buddy of mine. So that's probably the weirdest thing I had. That and rabbit. I I need to add mountain lion to my list now because I got you. Consider (laughs) there's one animal that I haven't eaten. You got me. So what would you say is the, uh, so if anybody knows, go to your, uh, anybody who's been on your uh, Instagram page and uh, just know who you are, know what you're about. They can see these different types of uh, meat that you eat and different types of diet and organ meat. How did you get into that and what made you kind of, how long, first off, how long have you been doing it? What made you jump off into that type of uh, diet? Yeah. So I, I didn't grow up eating organ meats. I grew up eating like kind of typical standard American diet. And I certainly kind of started learning about nutrition and getting more into it. Like I said, sort of in my mid twenties, when I um, was getting into fitness and all that kind of stuff, I started caring more about what I was putting into my body. Um, But I always gravitated towards meat and towards protein. Even as a kid, it was just, that's what I went for. And that's what I liked. And I always kind of was interested in um, like different animals and different types of food and different types of cuisine. Like I was never somebody to kind of shy away from something I hadn't tried before food wise. And I think when I moved to New York, that really opened things up because there's just like anything you could ever want to try was there. And, um, and I did. And I think, and I really, I honestly don't know how, like the moment that I kind of got into it, I just knew that I loved trying new food and trying new things. And I've always kind of had this feeling like, just try something. If you don't like it, you don't, it's fine. You just don't like it and you move on, but you're not losing out on anything. Right. But if you try it and you love it, then you've got this whole new experience and this whole add new to your repertoire. Yeah, to add to your repertoire and you, you've possibly gained something big and there's really like very low risk to it. Like what you put a piece of liver in your mouth and it's gross. Like, okay, what? Get it out. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, and then I think just sort of being in like the paleo world and the carnivore world, and the keto world and all of this stuff. And, and learning about the sustainability of, of any of these diets and, and trying to do things in a way that's sort of thoughtful and ethical and smart and also good for your, for your health. I started learning about like the, the really impressive health benefits of organ meats because it, it turns out that most of the, the amino acids and the vitamins and the nutrients and the minerals and all of the like really, really healthy things that our bodies are absorbing from meat, they're concentrated in the organs. The muscle meat is basically protein. I mean, there's, there's other benefits to muscle meat as well, but I mean, it's essentially protein. Um, And, you know, back in the day when people ate a lot more intuitively, when people would, would hunt, you know, they'd, they'd kill an animal and they'd, they'd let the, their hunting dogs kind of eat the muscle meat and they'd take the heart and the liver 
and the organs because they knew that's where the good stuff was, right? Mm. So, um, so anyway, I'm just kind of learning these things and trying things, and and I realized that I actually really just enjoyed the taste of a lot of the stuff. I like wild game. I like meat that sort of tastes like meat that doesn't kind of taste like something that's been bleached and dyed and you know put in the grocery store because it kind of looks clean and pretty. And they got that little yeah, make it look nice. Yeah, so um, it sort of was kind of like a an evolution. Um, and, uh, and really right now, I just, I'm not, I'm not really telling everybody that they have to eat brains and tongues and hearts. I would like to try, but you don't have to. I think it's more about the idea of, again, just sort of approaching nutrition and fitness and your entire life with kind of like an open mind and just yeah. a willingness to try things because you could get so much out of it and you could really be missing out and, and kind of having some perspective on the idea that, the way we eat right now is not very normal or natural um, for humans and for the history of the it's wrong. right. It's wrong from natural. Yeah, like we, you know, we think that that eating a uh, animal heart is weird, but like Twinkies are weird, right? Like those yeah. are weird, right. <laughs> you can eat them at time. If you want to eat them, you know, you can eat them. Like I eat some, some candy every whatever, but like we just we are. Our thoughts about what is normal and okay are a little bit skewed. Um, and it's a cultural thing too, because cultures all over the world eat nose to tail and eat organs and eat and don't waste massive amounts of the animal that they're harvesting. Um, and throughout history, we've eaten organ meats because we've had to, because we haven't had a choice. And so I think just kind of putting things in perspective and, and thinking like if you are a, a, a meat eater and you like to eat animals to maybe just consider to try some different parts and try to do more of a nose to tail approach and try to find those really nutritious parts and, and try to get creative and cook things in a different way so that they're enjoyable. And, you know, I have to say like, I, when I eat liver, I feel like I'm being nourished, you know, in a way that eating like a grocery store chicken breast just doesn't do it for me, you know? So like these things are real, like they really, they're, it's like they're real superfoods and it, it makes a difference. So um, I'm just trying to make it like a little bit more normal and mainstream for people, right? Like I'm not a French chef and I didn't grow up eating brains. Yeah, you're, just, you're a regular person that enjoy different types of food. Regular. I'm a normal person that I'm just, I just, I just think that there's a lot to be gained from it. Um, and just give it a shot. That's kind of my attitude. And this interesting so, uh, point that you made, uh, backtracked a little bit, is the fact that you said, like, the taste. Like, our tastes are so jaded by artificial flavors, artificial sugars. Like, I always use the point, like, a strawberry. You eat it. Like, people don't understand, like, a real strawberry is very sweet. We so jaded by the taste of a strawberry Jolly Ranch, we think that's how strawberry is supposed to taste. Like, so <laughs> doesn't say, like it's confusing to our minds. So, like you say, we're so used to eating the grocery store meats, the ground meat. When we eat gamey stuff, we're like, oh, this is bad. But that's naturally how we have eaten for the majority of the existence of humans on this on a plate on a on a on a face of this earth. Absolutely. I think one of the experiences that actually probably got me on this path was when I like became an adult and I started like buying like better quality meat. And I remember the first time I bought like a it was like a pasture raised, like heritage chicken, like a full chicken, right? Instead of like whatever you'd get at the grocery store. And I was like, holy crap. I just bought like, I paid like 30 bucks for this chicken. Like this thing better <laughs> be the best thing I've ever put in my mouth. And it was, it tasted like a different animal. Like, and I know like a lot of this is like very privileged. Like if you have the money to spend like on really high quality meat, like not everybody does. And I still think kind of crappy quality meat is still better than eating a Twinkie or something that comes in a box, but like good quality, well-raised, well-treated animals 
taste completely differently than factory farmed animals. And I will also say, because I think there's some people in the comments that are like, gonna eat liver and that makes me very happy. I will <laughs> say that a lot of organ meats are actually very cost effective and cost efficient because they're not super popular, they're not super high in demand. And so the protein and nutrition bang for your buck that you're getting with some of these like things, like, like heart, some of the other organs that I really like, because everyone thinks liver when they think organs, heart and tongue. And I know tongue. This tongue is the sandwich that your friend was talking about. Okay, like, yeah. oh, I made a, a tongue sandwich, buffalo tongue, and it was delicious. These, these organs are actually muscles as well. So they are muscle, mm. just like eating a shank or a hawk or whatever. It's a muscle meat. It's not like anything too creepy, like a liver or a spleen <laughs> or a brain. They look like something. So you have to kind of get over that part. And that's again, right. When I see tongues in a grocery store, I'm like, <laughs> tongue getting over it. But I'm yeah. pretty sure if somebody wants to take it, prepare it and give it to me and serve it, then I'll probably eat it. But it's just getting over that initial mm -hmm. of what are you about to take part in? Yeah, I mean, it's true. And like, I'm going through this process. I'm writing a cookbook, right? So like, I'm sourcing brains and tongues. And like, I'm going through this. I'm like, that that's a tongue on my table right now. Like that's, yeah. <laughs> but again, it's like, it's part of the process. It's part of, it's like honoring the animal. It's like, this is a part of this animal that would be wasted otherwise. And so, and the tongue specifically, it's delicious. If you've ever been to a Mexican restaurant and had tongue tacos, when you slow cook this stuff, it pulls apart like brisket, like carnitas. It's so that was, soft, it's fatty. This question, how the, how does one, what's, I'll say what's so, what's, what is some entry level Mm. organ meat or things people get into and what's the best way to cook it that's safe not want to say safe but safe for the palate for people to kind of take in at the beginning yeah i mean i think that the best place to start unless you are somebody who doesn't eat uh birds the best place to start is chicken chicken hearts and chicken livers because mm. the smaller an animal the milder the organs are going to taste so a bigger mm. animal is going to have a stronger taste so i would say yeah start with chicken and even things like lamb um, like <clears throat> lamb heart and lamb sweetbreads and things like that. Like they're, they're milder and kind of creamy, um, but a chicken liver. So I like, you could make it into like a mousse, like a pate, you put some booze in there. Mm. Onions, delicious. Um, chicken hearts are, um, I literally just pan fry them. Like you can buy them anywhere. They're super cheap. You can get like a pound of chicken hearts for like four bucks and you can just put some barbecue sauce on those things, like cook them in your favorite um, fat on your cast iron skillet. Mm. They cook in seven eight minutes and they're just like little bites of muscle meat they're delicious and they're mild um so i would recommend that people start with the smaller animals um easy to manage kind of work your way up um and then also uh yeah to try to maybe start with things like heart um and tongue maybe if somebody else makes it for you but things that are like muscle meat that are going to be easier on the palate liver does have a, a stronger taste. Um, but again, the chicken liver, it tends to be more mild. So you can, you can certainly kind of, and another thing, actually, this is um, something that I'm working on with the cookbook too, is what a lot of people do. If you're doing this purely for the nutrition benefits, you can hide this stuff in other meats. So a lot of butcher shops will do sort of the half and half ground beef for you. So they will grind up heart, liver, um, kidney, other organ meats into your ground beef. And you can do it like basically like a four to one ratio and it it's hidden in there. It doesn't, you can't taste it. And then so you're it getting cook, it cook like a, uh, would it cook like a hamburger? Burger, burgers, meatballs, um, Meatloaf, all you know, that good stuff. Yep, make a sausage. Um, I actually did that the other day. I made a, a it was beef liver and uh, kidney and heart 
uh, sausages. And yeah, when you get the ratio right, you don't taste it. You just, you, you're getting more nutrition and maybe it, maybe it imparts like a little bit of a different texture. Maybe it depends on how you kind of do the ratios, but you can taste like if you made, if I made these burgers for you and didn't tell you, you'd never know. Your kids would never know. Um, and that's like, like a great way to kind of hide the. And you say that because that's more natural than going to get a hamburger from Sonic on McDonald's. <laughs> there isn't a sonic where i am i'll be honest with you they seem to have everything but or like an in and out what's the one where they can do like all the like the animal is that in and out animal burgers and the like uh, talking about make like without the the buns and you can do all like the special ordering and stuff that's in and out burger isn't it yeah talking about like animal style with the yeah, animal yeah, 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 yeah. yeah that's in and out in and out so down south in and out is not popular it's all water burger down here <laughs> I don't know that one. See, I need to come it's back. Like, to it's like a huge, it's like a huge beef between In and Out and Whataburger. So yeah, Whataburger is a Texas-born company. Texas-born. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. Actually, it's not owned by it's owned by in by a company in Chicago. I think. Now yeah, it is. Anyway, so I'm thinking. Well, I'm gonna go get. You said slow cook tongue. I'm gonna go get a tongue. I'm gonna season it up really good. And I'm just gonna put it just blindly put in the slow cook and let it cook. Yep, put a tongue, put clean the tongue, put the tongue in some water, put it in a big pot or your slow cooker mm-hmm. for four to four to five hours. Pay attention, watch it. When it's done, you can stick your fork right in there and it's soft and well cooked. The the tongue skin, the part that looks creepy, will come right off, slip right off. And then you just shred it. You can shred it, you can cube it. I sliced it and um and pan fried it with some ghee to get it nice and brown and crispy. It's just like you know, like, and I mean, tongue, you can get it like Jewish delis all over the world. Like this is yeah. actually a pretty common one. Yeah, we could find, you could find tongue down here at our ATBs and when I get oh, yeah. um, it. Mm-hmm. It's really good. I promise. We are. Anybody that likes meat would like a tongue sandwich. Even if they don't want to make it themselves, they would like it. So that's one thing we can, all these different things that you're saying, we do have different uh, shops down here that you can find a lot of that stuff that you're talking about very easy. So mm-hmm. yeah, do it, go do it and report back. <laughs> So the uh, your cookbook, it's going to be called uh, Nose to Tail, right? No, it's a secret name that I haven't put out there oh, yet. It's oh, way more clever than that. Um, I thought I heard you say it was going to be that. So it's, when I read it, I thought, is the book called Nose? But I read that just describes the type of recipes would be like nose to tail, yeah. like how to utilize the whole animal. Yeah, you know, I probably should just ask my publisher if I'm like allowed to say the title, because I think at first we were like keeping it under wraps in case someone stole it or something. I don't know how this works. Yeah. Oh, okay. But I have a very clever name and yeah, we're, we're still working on um, the photography and kind of like finishing up what needs to be done. And things have obviously sort of hit a bit of a snag right now because we're all not supposed to be around each other and doing that kind of thing. But um, the book is set to be um, ready for pre-order online in the summer and will be in stores in October. Um, I've got Victory Belt is the publisher and they they do a lot of cookbooks. They've done books for Ben Greenfield and Kelly Surratt and Rob Wolf and, and those guys. It's a fantastic company and they've been great. Um, and they were great to take me on, right? Because I said, hey, I want to write a cookbook about organ meats and I don't know, are five people going to buy this? Maybe, but <laughs> it'll be my kind of people, right? And and I said, like, you know, this sounds very niche, but keto sounded niche too. And there's 200 keto books in Barnes and Noble and paleo yeah. sounded niche and that's like mainstream now. So um, yeah, I mean, I think it's, I think it should be a part of the conversation. I think it should be a part of the whole foods, healthy, respectful, sustainable conversation. And I think that we should have fun with it. I think we should have fun with the way we eat. I think we should be willing to just try new things and have new experiences. And that's really what the book's all about. 
Yeah, you yeah. might be ahead of the curve. Like you said, it's a uh, wild waste. That's different parts of the animal that we normally waste that could be used as a food source. So, mm-hmm. yep. Yeah. After the book comes out, we'll have to have you back on the show. You can. We can oh, talk yeah. About- we can do a little cooking demo. <laughs> hey, that's like, hey, mental level, multiple levels of uh, fitness around here. Right? Can mm-hmm. I tell you literally what is in my fridge right now? I'm not kidding because my friend, my girlfriends call me and they're like, uh, like you're going to eat dinner. I don't even want to know what you're eating in my fridge right now. I'm going to, I'm doing some recipe development this weekend. I have, I have another beef heart. I'm basically always cooking a heart of some kind. Yeah. Um, I have a buffalo kidney. I've actually never made anything with kidney, so I'm very excited about that one. And I've got some chicken livers, so I'm going to be doing a bunch of different things. I usually try to share what I'm doing um, on social media, too, because I mm-hmm. like to sort of have people. And I think I really feel like exposing people just like slowly and tentatively yeah. is helping because for every person who's like terrified and horrified, there are people who are like, hmm, that turned out looking all right. Like, did that oh, taste good? It, 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 it looks very appetizing. It looks very good. In the end, I mean, it may not look great at the beginning when it's a tongue or a heart, but at the end, it's pretty, it's pretty good. I mean, no, no animal products look good at the beginning. Let's be real. I mean, that's that's it. It's yeah. just it's being becoming more accustomed to the process and the reality of it, and just yeah, it's having a bit of a sense of adventure about it. I think is really. So, how do you come up with your recipes? You just kind of freestyle it in the kitchen, and just what works with this, or do you have like a base that you start with? Yeah, I mean, some of it, to be completely honest, is taking recipes that already exist and just putting my own stamp on them and like tweaking it and making changes. And we, we talked offline, you mentioned blood sausage, which is delicious. These recipes exist, right? Chicken liver mousse, um, you know, like yeah. heart, heart and kidney, fried kidney, fried um, sweetbreads and, you know, stuff like that. Like this stuff already exists out there. It's just our culture maybe doesn't um see them as much or use them as much and so I'm kind of taking them and trying to put my own spin on it and tweaks and there are a couple things that I sort of just made up out of my own brain because it's there and in front of me and because I just love to eat so I'm like let's combine these things that I love to eat and see what happens and so there's a lot of experimentation that's that's going on with it but um, yeah and I mean I've been telling people too I think with this book there probably are some recipes that like most people are not going to eat because it's <laughs> hard to find brain. Let's be real. It's hard to find brain. But I think that there are recipes that anyone could enjoy. Um, I think it really runs the gamut of like introductory and like easy and safe. And then there's some more adventurous and cool stuff. There's a bunch of recipes in there that truly like you might even look at it and think like I wouldn't have even known that this organ meat. So it really there's like a big, big range. And I think that anybody who's foodie or interested in food or likes to eat meat is going to find stuff that they like in there do you do any pork or is it mostly like beef and more wild game type stuff no there's pork there's um there's pork there's lamb there's elk there's buffalo there's bison there's chicken there's duck there's i mean i got the whole arc in there just all the animals are in there have you ever had this is probably a weird one this is something we eat this is a delicacy down here in the uh in the south it's called chitlings. Have you ever oh, heard of yeah. that before? Oh, yeah. Come on. Delicious. Delicious. I'm trying to think of like the weirdest thing because you said the weirdest thing you ate was mountain lion, which is like, that's awesome. I've never even heard of I'm trying to think of like the what people would think is the weirdest. I mean, I've eaten, like, I've eaten insects before. Like I've eaten like, yeah. you know, grasshopper tacos and stuff. I ate pigeon in Egypt and it was, that was normal there. It wasn't like yeah. somebody up off the street i it was actually a very like four seasons restaurant i ate pigeon um i've had balut have you guys tried 
heard of Balut. It's a Filipino. Um, Never heard of that before. What is that? It's maybe don't look it up, but it's it's. <laughs> <laughs> I actually don't know how if you how you would exactly um, describe it without me sounding disgusting, but it's basically hard boiled egg. Um, and it's like a semi, what does it say? It's a developing fertilized egg. So okay, I know. Oh I've yeah. Heard of that before. Yes. A little bit chicken, a little bit egg. Um, yeah. and the, the scary part about it is that like, you don't know how developed it is until you open it and eat it. Yeah. Uh, but for it tastes like a hard boiled egg really, but just people are kind of scared and like you might. It's the visual part of it. You might see a little bit of something that resembles a chicken in there, but again, this is this is something that isn't meant to be shock factor. This is something that was a delicacy in another culture that is totally normal. The same yeah. way that someone coming from a different culture might come to America, and I don't know what the example would be, but see something that we eat and be horrified by it, right? French fries? What the hell is that? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I feel like everybody in the world has to like French fries, but there's got to be something that we eat that people are like, well, okay. So I was in, was it Vegas? The, it's the heart attack grill. And yeah, it's like, tech, oh, yeah. if you're over 300 pounds or you, you, you can for free. <laughs> I mean, like this is stuff that doesn't exist elsewhere in the world, right? Like that's a very American concept, right? That would it's probably funny. be disturbing to people. The guy um, who uh, opened that restaurant is was actually a, a, a heart doctor. And he got tired of his patients coming in with heart problems, not wanting to change. So he just said, hey, screw it. So screw it. I'm just going to open a restaurant and just further the problem. America. <laughs> America. America. But drumming no, up business drumming up that's but uh it's interesting I, I like you say i'll be interested to see like your cookbook just keep following your posts and see the different things you should do a cook show so you do like I, a cooking show to kind of experiment and kind of show people how to prepare these different things so you introduced me to somebody at the food network and i'm all over it <laughs> <laughs> i will start right. i'm gonna try to start posting like more of this stuff too on social media as i like i'm trying to start posting just some recipes on my website and yeah talk about it a little bit more on social media and like, so people can kind of see it and give people resources before the book comes out too. No, good stuff. Good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah. I'm definitely going to go get me a, uh, my wife to get prepared. I'm going to trick everybody this weekend and eat some cow. <laughs> so but hey, just to, you know, just to try it. I'm like, you say, I'm all about trying different things, especially when you, you had me when you said the health benefits of it, if I figure you can get healthy out of it, worst case scenario, I get to grind it up and make hamburgers. I'll make it into like a, make it into like a breakfast sausage. Yeah, instead, absolutely. Instead so, of getting store brought heavy processed hot dogs and sausages yeah. with all these extra stuff into it that's not actually conducive or healthy for us anyway. So yeah. listen, if you can go vegan for your health, you can you can eat a ton for your health too. Oh yeah. Hey man, I'm looking for I'm look I was I've been looking for something different to do and different to try. So I'm gonna go ahead and throw that in the mix. Nice. Well, I can promise you one thing, I'd be the only person in my whole household to even try it. Well, <laughs> I'll just trick everybody over here. So my kids, my sons, they don't care. Whatever I do, they'll eat it anyway. So. I appreciate the trickery. And um, that, <laughs> listen, when the book comes out, you can get a copy of the book. I, I promise you, listen, this is like a guarantee. I'm not going to say money back guarantee because, hey, we all got to live. But it's a guarantee <laughs> there is something in that book that your family will enjoy. I guarantee it. You'll see. We'll go with that. Yep, that's right, my. We're gonna take the word on. We're looking forward to the book, and uh, man, this has been a, oh, it's been a great show. We, you know, we uh, great show. A lot of good information, a lot of good things. And so, once again, where can the people find you at and find all the information they need about you? How can they get in touch with Ashley? Awesome. Uh, yeah. So you can. I'm I'm most kind of interactive on on Instagram, so you can talk to me there at the Muscle Maven. 
and my website is ashleyvanhouten.com. We can maybe write that down because my name's spelled mm-hmm. weird. And uh, I have, you can sign up for my newsletter on the website. I send out a newsletter every week with recipes and workouts and cool okay, stuff. That I'm cool. Doing. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm pretty responsive everywhere. So happy to talk to anybody about pull-ups and meat and whatever you want to talk about. And that pull-up program, you said that's hopefully it's going to be out this summer, right? Yes. As soon as I can get legally get back into a gym and just like record <laughs> whole final things, that'll be, I'll, I'll post about it on social media. I'll have it on my website. And yeah, I'm really excited to get that out there. Texas will be able to work out again next week. Oh no, the 18th, I think is when they open in gym. Yeah, that's what they're saying, the 18th. But there's going to be some stipulations there too, though, so. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's the real question is when things go back to normal, how quickly is it really going to be normal, right? Like it's one thing, movie theaters and and open gyms, but how are people going to be? I'm optimistic that we'll get back quicker, I think, than figure it out. Yeah. Because we're, we just, we want to go and and be out there and do things and interact with people. So I'm hoping. Well, Ernest and I both have been working pretty hard on on our home gyms and uh, we got some pretty nice stuff set up at the house now. So I'm in no hurry. (laughs) I really don't need a gym membership anymore at this point. Yeah. (laughs) Especially when it's nice out and you can do things. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like a little bit of the social thing. Like I don't necessarily go to the gym to make friends, but when you work from home, uh, you gotta, you know, you gotta go out there and interact with people. (laughs) (laughs) So I I do miss those guys. Cool. Cool. And the podcast be launching next week. Is it muscle Maven radio? Correct? Yes. yes. Muscle Maven radio on iTunes, Apple podcasts, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Um, that'll be out there and, uh, yeah, I hope you check it out. All right, man. Well, thank you once again for joining the show. We'll be looking forward to all these different things that you got coming out and, uh, very good stuff very interesting lady so hopefully one like you say we could have you back on the show whenever you come uh get your cookbook out and share some recipes for us and we're going to be looking for those live demos on how to is definitely not the worst thing people have called me so i appreciate that yeah <laughs> i've been called a lot worse than interesting lady but i <laughs> the most interesting lady on the uh east coast so i appreciate you. that thank Bye. you for having me guys Oh, no problem. Yeah, we really um, appreciate it, Ashley. Thank you. All right. Thank you, everybody out there for listening to the show. Remember, subscribe on Apple, iTunes, Spotify. This show will be up uh, probably tonight, depending on how late I want to stay up tonight. The show will be up tonight on YouTube. You can check it out, rewatch it on Facebook. And uh, once again, thank you guys for joining the show. Cue the cool drop. Drop, drop, drop.